Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. A behind-the-scenes look at the White Sox as they prepare for the 2021 baseball season. Brought to you by Wintrust Bank, Mazda of Orland Park on ESPN 1000. Chicago's new home of the White Sox. Welcome on in to the last White Sox Weekly of the 2020 calendar year. I'm your host, Jeff Meller, today here on ESPN 1000, 312-332-3776. If you'd like to participate, as we fondly look back at, I would say, one of the few bright spots during 2020, if you're a White Sox fan. I think we'd all agree that, for the most part, We'd gladly forget 2020. However, if you're a White Sox fan, you know what? You're going to look back at this year and hopefully as we get a little bit of distance into a more normal normal time, we will all look back at 2020 as White Sox fans and say to ourselves, wow, that was very memorable. And we're going to go be- go ahead and look back at some of those great memories on today's show, uh, we will also continue to talk about the off season, what's going on with the White Sox, what you'd like to see. Perhaps in the 2021 season, the White Sox will go ahead and win their first World Series title since 2005. And if they're to do so, can they do that with their current roster? Or do you, the White Sox fan, still believe they need to make some additions? We'll talk about that again. Uh, here for you, 312-332-3776. Now, I was thinking about this yesterday. I know it's Christmas, and I'm thinking about my favorite moments of the past White Sox calendar year. And it was cool because, you know what? A lot of great ones came to me. And I have to say, as a White Sox fan, that hasn't always been the case. When I reflect on you know White Sox seasons, sometimes I, you look back and you, th- you think to yourself, boy... There's not a whole lot of really memorable moments. But the great thing about 2020 for White Sox fans was that it's just, it's almost too numerous to count. And sure, the playoffs didn't end the way we wanted, but it was, it was definitely a great ride. Again, in, in just for a lot of people, a very dark time, the White Sox were able to offer up a little bit of light on a day-in and day-out basis when we finally got baseball back. So we're going to listen to some of our favorite highlights from the 2020 season throughout the show here because it is the last one of 2020. I'll also be uh, talking with Jesse Rogers, who covers baseball for ESPN, baseball insider Jesse Rogers. We'll talk to him about what's going on in free agency and what's still available for the White Sox that they might dip their toe in the water on. Now, the last time I was on White Sox Weekly here, James McCann was still available as a free agent. And I think most people knew that the chances of him coming back to the South side were not very high because he's just, he's outplayed the, you know, he wasn't even a backup catcher, but he's, he had outplayed his role as a second catcher on the White Sox team. And with the addition of Yasmani Grandal last year, it just was going to be very difficult to envision how James McCann was going to fit in, fit back into the South side 
for the amount of money that you would have to pay a second catcher again, who again was a much bigger James McCann was a much bigger part of the White Sox team. But it was also hard to envision how James McCann might want to come back when he was probably looking for the opportunity to play more regularly. And that just wasn't going to happen realistically with the Osmani Grandal in tow. So he goes out and signs a four-year deal for $40.6 million with the New York Mets. And I think the Mets made a, a good move because McCann was certainly a valuable asset. And when I think about James McCann's time here as a member of the White Sox... I'm always going to link him with Lucas Giolito's development. And, you know, Lucas Giolito, when the White Sox traded for him with the Washington Nationals, there was, it was part of the rebuild. All Sox fans are familiar with at this point. And it was a, a bet on the talents, but Giolito had certainly stumbled at that point. And in 2018, White Sox fans will remember that Lucas Giolito was one of the worst starters in all of baseball. That was undeniable. He went out every day and pitched, but he got lit up frequently. And in 2019, he finally unlocked something, got back to what he liked to do when he was in his younger days. He figured some things out, and he credited James McCann quite a bit along the way for helping him get there. And James McCann was the man who was behind the dish for one of my favorite moments of the 2020 White Sox season. If you're a White Sox fan, I know you know it well. It was back on Tuesday, August 25th. The White Sox were hosting the Pittsburgh Pirates. And they had just had a seven-game win streak snapped at the hands of the Cubs in Wrigley. The Cubs won the Sunday game after the White Sox had pounded them the first two. And they had a day off on Monday. And after having their seven-game win streak snapped, Lucas Giolito took the mound. And this is what unfolded. Lucas Giolito on the hill tonight. Coming no, off his best time. performance in quite no, some time. He's 2-2 two two is no. ZRA in the high threes. 2-2 two two for Lucas. And a miss, strike three, first strikeout for Giolito tonight. This is his best changeup. You saw the dip on that one. That one looked like a waist-high fastball coming out of his hands. You see the spin that turns away and down to Frazier, and he was no match for that one. Oh, wave and a miss, strike three. Look, the scouting report on Lucas is if he gets a chance, he'll wipe you out with the straight chain. One and two for Riddle, and it does. Strike three. Called strike three, a fastball. Lucas has five punch outs. Well, you didn't miss any pirate base runners, that's for sure. Oh, strike three called. CB rang him up. Oh, strike three, not his tempo, certainly. Lucas is anything but a double rainbow tonight on one and two. And that's it's it. a swing and a miss. It is it. Ninth strikeout for Geo. Two down in the sixth. Up the middle. Tough play. Tim unloads. And got him! Oh, boy! Jose set himself very well, knew exactly where the ball would hop, and knew he had a short hop. Tim trying to get rid of the ball as quickly as possible. Gets it there. Great pick by Jose on the back end. This one is a dandy. Every special night has a play like that one. 0-2. 
Swing and a miss. So he got the sword out. Wizardry from Giolito. Six outs to go. Lucas at 78 pitches, so still plenty of gas in the tank. He struck him out. Number 11 for Lucas. And five outs to go. Lucas Giolito at this moment is experiencing an adrenaline surge he has not had all game long. Two balls, two strikes. Swing and a miss, strike three. Three outs to get. The 25th swing and miss for Lucas Giolito tonight. Two and two. Check swing. He did go strike three. Two outs to get. They sink up in a heartbeat. One and two. In the air, right-hand side. Adam Angle is there. Two down. And now, the only man to reach base tonight for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Eric Gonzalez. Nobody's here to watch, but everyone at home has their hearts in their throats. And 0-2. To right field, Adam Angle is there! Lucas Giolito's no-no was certainly one of the fine memories of the 2020 season for the White Sox. Jason Benetti on the call along with Steve Stone there. Highlights courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago. And that pushed the White Sox to 18-12 and 12 on the year. And at that point, if you weren't getting the tingling feelings about the White Sox season, I think after that performance, you certainly were full bore in effect because that one was a phenomenal performance. And for me, really... The uh, the piece de resistance, if you will, of uh, the 2020 season. That That's the one, when I think back, I think I will, if I have to pick one, that's the moment I will always remember for the White Sox in 2020. Lucas Giolito just shoving the Pittsburgh Pirates and uh, winning that game 4 nothing. That was fantastic. So if you have some uh, favorite White Sox memories from the 2020 season that you'd like to relive, feel free to give us a call, 312-332-3776. I was actually talking with Eric Ostrowski, our producer, who himself, again, I know a lot of people have had horrible 2020s, but he has had he has welcomed his brand new baby daughter this year, so it's been a great year for him personally. And I thought it was stunning when Eric told me that um, Lucas Giolito, that uh, no hitter, was above the birth of his daughter. Eric, you know, I, that shocked me when you told me that this morning. We all have power rankings, and sometimes you just a number one seed. It's a number one seed. You just can't argue with it. That's what we do in sports radio. We just put together power rankings of you know what's the best moment of the year. And for Eric, the birth of his daughter was second behind Lucas Giolito's no hitter. So I thought, you know what? That just goes to show you how special this 2020 season was for White Sox fans. We'll call it a close second. Okay. A close second. Okay. Good call. Um, I'm Jeff Meller here on ESPN 1000. Again, you can hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Meller. That's M-E-L-L-E-R. Up next, Jesse Rogers weighs in on what the White Sox will do in free agency. Before we get to that, though, I want to let you know Trevor Bauer made a, uh, of course, is uh, very prominent on social media. He, uh... The other day, let us in on what White Sox fans are trying to do to recruit him to the South Side. Another honorable mention goes out to the White Sox fan base. I love the look and feel of their pitches to me. They got some good Photoshop artists over there. They have some bad Photoshop artists over there, which I am a sucker for, but they have fallen off a little bit recently. They started off hot, 
but they've fallen off. For me, it's a three on consistency, a three on volume, but a seven on creativity for posts like this. They got the Step Brothers meme here, uh, Grandal and myself. Pretty good on that front. They got the bad Photoshop with my face looking the wrong way over a goat's head, and it looks like a White Sox hat that a goat has taken a bite out of. World Series White Sox hat. Nice, subtle little touch. They got Tim Anderson and me as superheroes. So overall, pretty good pitches, but fallen off a bit recently, which is making me wonder if they really want me or not. Don't really know. Overall score, 13. So uh, somehow, some way, I don't think the Photoshop is going to be the reason Trevor Bauer ultimately makes the decision as to where he will be pitching in 2021 and likely beyond. All right, we'll ask Jesse Rogers what the uh, temperature is on free agency, what the White Sox may have designs on doing here up next. This is White Sox Weekly on the new home of the White Sox. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. A behind-the-scenes look at the White Sox as they prepare for the 2021 baseball season. Hey, Chicago, the White Sox are back. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. center field way back there at the wall bring them all home three run home run jose abreu oh one more for the road bring him home again second one tonight for jose well struck very well struck and out of here bring him home for the lead top six that man has a sense of urgency and a flair for the dramatic Jose in the air, left field, way back. Bring him home again. A cement mixer to beat all cement mixers, and it's 5-2. to two. One more time, bring him home. They keep going out of the ballpark at an astonishing rate. 17th three-home run game in White Sox history. Oh, my goodness. Batman Jose is at it again. Well, that's only six in the series so far. This is outrageous. It was outrageous indeed. Jason Benetti and Steve Stone highlight courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago. I'm Jeff Meller here on ESPN 1000, and this is the final edition of White Sox Weekly of the 2020 calendar year. So we're reliving some of our favorite moments from the 2020 season. And how could you forget the Jose Abreu series at Wrigley Field, where he went on to hit six home runs which ultimately would end up being the second most home runs hit by a player at Wrigley Field last season. I believe only Ian Happ had more homers at Wrigley Field than Jose Abreu last season, which is just insane. And certainly it could only happen in a year like 2020, but it did indeed. And so that's one of those memorable things that I will always remember when I look back on the 2020 season. I'm Jeff Meller here on ESPN 1000, and uh, now it is our opportunity to welcome in Jesse Rogers, who covers baseball for ESPN, MLB Insider. And uh, Jesse, uh, a little birdie told me that, um, you know, you tend to go to where the stories are, and with the White Sox looking like a very hot story, you might just find yourself on the south side a bit more this uh, season. Yeah, hopefully me and a lot of fans, if they allow uh, fans back in, right? I mean, uh, they're they're a popular uh, team for sure around the league, talking to other executives and stuff. They know that what they saw in 2020 wasn't a fluke, right? 
um, so for sure, I think Bristol is going to send me to the south side a little bit more. Certainly depends on what happens on the north side as well, though they seem to be in a little bit of a re-something. That's the word we keep looking for. Is it a reset, a retool, rebuild? I'm not sure. But the the White Sox are really uh, moving in the right direction. Obviously, a few more holes to fill, plenty of time between now and April. But if they went to, to uh, the regular season with the team they have, they'd compete. That's the bottom line. They would compete. They certainly did in 2020, coming up a little short. But we, we know the talent's there. It just has to continue to grow and, and move forward. So, Jesse, I think it's interesting for fans because, you know, you get to the hot stove season of baseball and you generally have an idea of what's going to unfold. And even though in recent years, you know, it's been pushed back, you know, later and later because of the way front offices are approaching how much they want to invest in long-term contracts with older players, we still have always had an idea of, you know, signings on the way down the pipe here. The problem is in 2020 with the catastrophic events, you know, of living through a pandemic and all the financial hits that baseball has taken, I think a lot of fans are trying to wrap their heads around how much players are going to be paid, what type of long-term contracts we're looking at. Do you have any sense as to what the top of the market is going to look like when this kind of shakes out? Uh, it's still going to be pretty good. I mean, it's like James McCann, right? He got paid. That wasn't a bad deal for a guy that was a backup catcher. Um, the, the top end guys are still going to get their money, and that's why they don't mind waiting. Um, it, it's right below the top tier that that some are worried about, and, and certainly, you know, the further down the ladder you go, the more it, it looks you know, sort of ominous for those kind of guys. Uh, but George Springer is going to get paid. I mean, all it takes, it, it seems like, is one team to sort of up the ante for everybody. In this case, it's the Mets under new ownership. So, um, you know, I don't know what Real Muto is going to get, but uh, I, there's no doubt that McCann sets the market for him a little bit, and he's going to get more than that, and Springer's going to get some, some big deal. So I, I, it's like the contending teams – that are going after the top guys, I still think are going to pay. That's the indication I'm getting around the league. It's some of those, you know, the extra non-tenders that happen. I mean, a normal year, I think you would have seen some guys like Kyle Schwarber on the north side get tendered and, and make his money. Maybe even Mazzara, who knows, on the south side. But but it's not normal. So they're going to save where they can save, but those contending teams are going to still spend on top-end talent. That's the best way I can describe it. I don't think George Springer's going to be hurting when he when he signs his contract, it's going to be some guys under underneath him. And another man who certainly will not be hurting is the top arm available in free agency. The National League Cy Young Award winner Trevor Bauer is available, and it was cute how he told his high school best friend that he was never going to sign a long term deal. But now that um, the time is close to upon us, it will be interesting to see if he actually uh, goes through with that proclamation because it would seem based on everything I'm reading and hearing, that he would be kind of crazy to take any, you know, to, to forego a long-term deal when he's hit this point in his career. I don't think it's that crazy. Really? Um, okay, I, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. so when I, one year, would he take a two-year deal, or would, do you think the one-year deal is actually in play for Trevor Bauer? Well, I talked to other executives. Take a look at this uh, survey I did on ESPN.com, and for people in the game, I, I polled 20, 20 executive types. Six said he would take a one-year deal. Fourteen said he would take a multiple-year deal. So obviously that that's the default position. Of course, 
you would assume a guy is going to choose security. But but still, six out of 20 is not that low of a number when you consider star players never take one-year deals. So mm-hmm. I, my point is this. The, the, a couple people that voted for, 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 for him taking the one-year deal said, look, the CBA is up in the year. We're going to have fans back in the stands. There, eventually, there's so much unknown that the game is still going to make a lot of money and it's certainly going to make more money than this year. So their point was the unknown is actually over the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Soon enough, we're going to have a lot more knowns. And he said maybe he bets on himself one year at $30 million, $35 million, and then we see the revenues return, and, he, and he, if he has another Cy Young-type year, he really cashes in. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to look at it. I don't think it's a guarantee he takes that multi-year deal, but I think it's more likely than not. But there are reasons why some top-tier guys like him could wait, knowing that revenues are going to return sooner um, or I guess later rather than sooner, I suppose. 20 is going to look bad, and and maybe maybe uh, he's not hearing the multi-year deal he wants to hear, but in a year he might hear it. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but certainly it, it's it's not the norm for a player to take one year at the top of his game. All right, so here on White Sox Weekly, the, fan, the question that all White Sox fans want to know, when you say one year is a possibility, it's not completely ruling, you're not completely ruling it out, does that mean that the White Sox could actually still be in play for Trevor Bauer? I don't think so, based on the things that I've heard, the things they've done. Um, I I heard, you know, a month, two months ago, that they were going to be, just using this analogy, I've used it like three times on the air, fishing not in the deep end and not in the shallow end of the pool. Right in the middle of the pool is where they'd be fishing. And then they went ahead and traded for Lance Lynn and signed Adam Eaton. I think that backed up that theory, right? That's not, you know, they didn't sign a guy for one year, two million. And they didn't sign a guy for one year, $35 million. They They went right in the middle. Lance Lynn is right in the middle. Adam Eaton is pretty much right in the middle as well. So it would be outside that norm, or outside the things I've heard about them. Um, but there are no bad one-year deals. Uh, I just don't see them after trading for Lynn, adding Trevor Bauer. I mean, at, at some point, you know, you've, you've completed what you need to complete in, in, in the rotation. You move on to other areas. In fact, I would spend on a left-handed bat. I mean, you could never not say you would never say no to Trevor Bauer. But in in realistic terms, they probably need a left-handed bat more than they need a starter. Um, so the trade for Lance Lynn, I think, eliminated the idea that they were going to sign a guy like Trevor Bauer. I tend to agree with you. Now, the one hole that another hole that we I don't think we've really touched on here that seems to be there until they fill it, and you can always have the argument about how much you really need to invest in a closer, but with Alex Colome out there on the free agent market, and I know the White Sox haven't completely ruled out the idea of bringing him back. I'm curious, though, what is the latest regarding Liam Hendricks and uh, his situation? Because he is the top closer out there on the market. Right, and that would go against that thinking that they're going to go into the shallow or, or middle end of the pool, right? Mm-hmm. Because he is the deep end of the pool as closers go. I, I, I had so him at the beginning. One, yep. one thing I'll ask to follow up there. Uh, is he? Con- would you consider him deep end when his contract though won't be nearly you know as onerous as some of the other? Because I, I mean, I can't imagine he's going to see. You think he's going to get more than? I, I, he's not going to get more than McCann, right? Like he's a closer. No, he will deep. Look, really? Craig Kimbrell. Okay, Craig Kimbrell got almost fifteen million. Granted, you know the revenue world is different. I get it, but just throw that to the side a moment. What did I say? Top end 
of he's a top end closer. Yeah. Right. So top end outfielder George Springer is going to get paid. Top end close each position is still going to get their money. So no, I, I disagree. I think that is in the deeper end of the pool. Uh, yeah, he's going to get more than McCann. I I was about to say I had him pegged at the beginning of the offseason at like three years, fourteen million. That's a very similar deal to Craig Kimbrell's with the Cubs. Uh, and I would say Leon Hendricks is probably at the top, you know, near the top of his game more than Kimbrell sure. was when yep. the Cubs signed him for sure. Different time of the year, different needs, all that stuff. Obviously, you know, when, when the Cubs signed him in his midseason. But anyway, I, yeah, no, I, Liam Hendricks is going to get a good contract. And so that's the question mark. Um, now, you're right. That isn't $35 million a year, $25 million a year. So maybe in the scope of payrolls, this is not the deep end of the pool. It's a nice signing. But when it comes to closers, it's going to be probably the most expensive closer sure. you know, out there right now. So it, it probably is, it, it is within their budget. It just it, it it and it would probably explain why they're not spending a lot in other areas, right? Because mm-hmm. that's it's still a lot of money. So it's it's it they're they're in the market for sure. They're in the hunt for him for sure. Um, but we'll we'll see if some other team steps up and pays him a little bit more. Jesse, you were also involved in Tony Larusa's Zoom meeting earlier in the week. Just uh, I guess, what are your initial thoughts when you heard him finally address? the uh, case that he settled in Arizona regarding his DUI? Yeah, my initial thoughts are this is a fascinating situation because he has now stated publicly the third winningest manager of all time at 76 years old. He has stated publicly he has something to prove in the dugout and off the field. Now, not many 76-year-olds have that much to prove in their life off the field, but he does. Mm Mm-hmm. Arrested twice for the same offense here. Gets away with the reckless driving as he pleads it down. But he says, I have to prove that I don't have a drinking problem. I have to prove that I'm not going to drink and, and get behind the wheel. That's interesting to me. He has to prove he can he can manage in today's game. This is him stating this. Yep. This isn't fans or media. He said this. So I commend him for saying all of that. I commend him for understanding the scrutiny that he, and the microscope that he's under. And I actually think whatever the best of Tony LaRussa has to give, the White Sox are going to get. That's what I want to believe. Mm-hmm. And um, it certainly sounds like he is on top of his game for someone that hasn't been in a dugout in 10 years. Talking to people he's worked with in L.A. I didn't talk to anybody uh, in Boston, but Arizona. You know the three the three places he's been in the front. Of. This guy was hands on all over everything. You've heard the reports. You've, you've you've heard what what he was involved in. I talked to Joe Madden, um, you know, on a Zoom last week, uh, and he he was talking about how how uh, hands on Tony Larusa was, and now he feels like he has something to prove. So I don't know. Nobody knows how this is going to turn out. But whatever the best that Tony Larusa has, I think we're going to see on and off the field. And that is going to be quite interesting. So, um, look, they're going to contend. He, he, he's not, you know, a, a rookie manager with no clue what's going on. They're going to be a contender, right? Now it's just his job to tweak and, and motivate and, and push guys in the right direction, obviously make the right calls on the field. Uh, but I, I think he understands he doesn't have to do a lot to just roll the ball out there and this team's going to be in the hunt, at least in the division. 
No doubt about it. And for those who are unfamiliar with Jesse's resume as a reporter, back in 2010, when he came over to ESPN Chicago, he began covering the Blackhawks when they won their first Stanley (laughs) Cup in 2016. He was on the Cubs beat when they ended their long drought to win the World Series. So it'd be nice to see Jesse on the south side a little bit more this season. Let's just put it that way, huh? I'd love to be a good luck charm. You know, it's about this time every year I actually do get random emails from fans, mostly Bear fans. They say, Jesse, will you please go to the Bears beat? This is this is not going well. You've, you've seen two championships. It'd yeah. be great to see one on the south side sooner rather than later. It's so interesting to me how the divisions have switched. The NL Central is kind of eh. Yeah. The AL Central is a it's not a powerhouse, but it's, it's tough, man. Yeah, you've got it three. You've got three really competitive teams at the top of the Let division. Let me tell you something. I really like the Kansas City Royals and what they're doing. Hmm. So it, it's one of those things that even if you're a last place team or you're playing the last place, you worry a little bit. You were in the Detroit tight. You worry a little bit. So it's going to be a real interesting division. You, I hope they play 162 because that's really where you find out who the best of the best is. Last thing, Jess. Uh, you, yeah. Just because you brought it up and it sprang to my mind here. Is there, what are the playoffs going to look like? What are you hearing for, are they going back to the way they were prior to 2020? Or do you think they've, you know, once they open the door, they, they're going to push forward and have an expanded playoffs in 2021? The best way I can say it is it's, it's a negotiation mm-hmm. with the players union, meaning the league, of course, wants expanded playoffs. They can't have it without asking the players for it. The players will say yes if they get something back. Here's the bottom line. The league wants to give the the players the DH and the NL, and in return, the league wants expanded playoffs. The the union doesn't think that's enough. Like, you're giving us 15 jobs, right, 15 jobs in the NL, and you want us to hand you another billion dollars of playoff money? So that's the bottom line. Um, The players want more in exchange for expanded playoffs. Remember, they, they have to figure their, figure it out for 21, and then they have to figure it out for a new CBA moving forward. A lot of people think they should negotiate you know, a new CBA now and just, just you know, start it up. Some people think they should just delay the negotiations and keep as is for a few more years until the revenues return. It's, a, it's, it's really complicated and somewhat of a mess because the relationship isn't great. So here's the bottom line. The negotiation about the DH, expanded playoffs, roster, I don't know, the, the, the injury uh, timeline, like how long a guy's on injured reserve, like all these things are going to be one negotiation, length of the season, and it's yet to take place, which is crazy because teams need to know. And that's also why you're seeing a slowdown on, on signings and trades and stuff like that. Good stuff, Jess. Uh, and you and I will tackle the Bears on Monday after the Bears game. How about that? We'll do that on that's Carmen right. Yorko's slot. So. Looking forward to 10 to noon on Monday, Bears Hot takes with Meller and Rogers. I we'll, love it. We'll, we'll handle that on Monday. All right. Thanks, Jess. Appreciate it. See you then. All right. That's Jesse Rogers covers baseball for ESPN. And uh, he and I will be talking about a Bears game against the Jaguars on Monday in the Carmen Yerko slot. All right. White Sox right now, the last one of the 2020 calendar year. And if you missed what Tony LaRusso had to say, I'll let you hear what he did say earlier this week. Next. This is White Sox Weekly. White Sox Weekly. On Chicago's Home for Sports. On ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Home for Sports. The new home of the White Sox. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Grab 
drafted right in the first round, and then you say, well, I'll go to the minor leagues, then I'll make it to the majors at some point, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon is a couple months later for young Garrett Crochet. 100 strike three. Garrett Crochet keep that baseball, his first major league strikeout. Just a couple of months after he was drafted. How about his year? Oh, a lot more sliders. Oh, two. Fastball inside. Get out of here. Two down. Garrett Crochet is carving. It makes me think about Amir Garrett, the short reliever for the Reds, that's watching this going, okay, hold on. Is this guy trying to copy me? Because he's a bigger, taller guy. Contact to first. Yeah, we can get used to this. Ooh, doctor. Garrett Crochet when Flamingos attack. Yeah, I think we could get used to that on the south side. Garrett Crochet's debut was pretty ridiculous. And I have to admit, that was another one of my favorite moments of the 2020 season for the White Sox. It came on a Friday night. And I don't know about you guys, but during the week, you know, you get through the the doldrums of the week. You throw on a baseball game at home at night and you kind of like just get ready for the next day. On Friday nights during a baseball season, I will admit that's the one night during the week when I'm I usually will have the game on, but I'm definitely more lax in terms of like my attention to a Friday night baseball game unless I'm at the park. And obviously that was not possible in 2020. So when Garrett Crochet came out to make his debut I mean, he was added to the roster that day, and I remember thinking, okay, he, he's got a shot. There, he could make his debut, and when he made his debut, I was locked in to Friday Night Baseball more so than I normally am. And I'll admit, sometimes, like, there was, a, there was one other Friday night game this year when Yasmani Grandal had a walk-off home run against the Kansas City Royals. Um, that that game had my attention as well because it went late into the night, so I kind of, you know, jumped in later when they, it was, you know, later than a normal baseball game. But on a Friday night during a baseball season, I'm occasionally a little more lax in terms of like my whether or not I'm locked in. And I remember Garrett Crochet's debut, and I was like, this kid could be special. And certainly the hope is that long-term he could be a starter, but for the next year or so, if he's a weapon out of the bullpen, and we were just talking with Jesse Rogers about what they may do in the closer role, well, I mean, I think Garrett Crochet is certainly an option they may consider if just for next year, if they don't fill the role in free agency. So we'll see what happens with that. 312-332-3776. Again, last White Sox weekly of the calendar year. So if you'd like to chime in with some of your favorite memories, feel free. I'm Jeff Meller here on ESPN 1000. You can hit me up on Twitter as well. I'm at Jeff underscore Meller. That's M-E-L-L-E-R. And I mentioned before we went to break, Tony La Russa did meet the media and discussed some of the public reaction to his DUI case in Arizona. The timing is uh, you know, unfortunate in the sense that the day I was hired, there was there were legitimate questions about being away from the game, uh, whether I was still in touch, uh, had the game changed, could I relate? Uh, and those were legitimate, and you know, I, I look forward to proving that you know, that I could answer those in a positive way and and make a positive contribution to our ball club and their you know, our goal is to be a championship team. When this hit immediately after that, uh, you know, it's a serious downer and it's uh, and fitness should be concerned. 
of this mistake that uh, is totally avoidable, avoidable. And uh, I'm pleased that I'm having a chance to talk publicly about the anger that I feel for myself for making that mistake. Uh, I know how serious, uh, when you have a drink and you decide to drive, what a mistake, how serious that mistake is. Uh, as I said in my statement, I mean, there's, there hadn't been a day since February, uh, and even when it became public, that I haven't uh, been upset myself and feel tremendous remorse and regret. Uh, and I think about the effect on the people that I know, my family, uh, friends. Uh, I mentioned the fans, but it, it all comes together. So uh, I know it's it's a, it's a negative effect that, uh, that my goal right now is to prove. Before it was proving myself on the field, uh, now it's obviously I have to prove myself off the field as well. So Tony Larusa is aware of the seriousness of the charges, and hopefully this time he can prove it off the field. So I think White Sox fans would all agree that that is the hope. We can move past this and cheer for the team on the field. And Tony LaRussa did talk about the team on the field. They got the roster so special to this point, and to come in this winter and add Lance and, and Adam Eaton has gotten everybody fired up. We have legitimate starters added Lynn to Lucas and Dallas, and we've got some outstanding young talents, you know, Cease, Kopech. You do the best you can to identify that late-inning closer. These young guys are pitching late in the game like they had a number of years' experience. They're, they have no fear, and they got great talent. So I think we're going to have a very deep and reliable bullpen. You can't assume anything's going to happen unless you make it happen. Part of it is just uh, recognizing how tough it is to win. Just look at our division and the way Kansas City and Detroit are improving. We have a legitimate chance if we go about it exactly right and take it into the, the spring training preparation and see who, who's the last team standing. That's our attitude, and I think that's what we're going to embrace. So Tony LaRusse addressing the media earlier this week, back on December 21st, talking about the White Sox and how excited he is. And I think White Sox fans would all agree that we're all very excited about the possibilities that 2021 could bring for the fan base. Interesting to me, he mentioned both Cease and Kopech. And, you know, that is the one reason why you could see the White Sox, or I guess I will paint it as the, the reason why even if Trevor Bauer takes a one-year deal, when you have Cease and Kopech tentatively slotted for the rotation, and I know a lot of people are wondering what Kopech's, you know, whether or not he'll actually start this season in the rotation, that may be true, but I do think at some point, you know, he is slated to be your fifth starter at the very least down the road here in 2021. So if that is your vision then how do you go ahead and sign a guy like Trevor Bauer? Now, I would, you know, you wouldn't want to say, okay, well, let's pass on Trevor Bauer simply so that we can, you know, cross our fingers and hope that this special talent that we have comes to fruition. But I do think that's something when you're managing a baseball team, if you got five starters locked in, it's hard to say, okay, well, especially when you consider I don't think we really know exactly what the minor league baseball season is going to look like. You know, um, it's we're all sports fans and we're all hoping that we get 
sports back to some sort of normalcy. Maybe in 2021 we can get back to going to games. But I do think that minor league baseball, you know, is something that is has a much bigger question mark about it. And so until we have more answers about that, and you have a young guy like Kopech who you want to see in the rotation, it's hard to necessarily say, well, let's add a sixth starter for monster money and, you know, just kind of cast this player aside, who we all think is a part of our long-term future. So that's something the White Sox have to balance delicately as well. I'm Jeff Meller here on White Sox Weekly. Again, the last one of the 2020 calendar year. And uh, when we come back, while a lot of us were celebrating the holidays, the White Sox were celebrating a suspicious for the rest of us. I'll tell you about it next. This is White Sox Weekly on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. After Bears and Jaguars, talk about it with Miller and Griffith. It's the ESPN Miller Lite Bears postgame immediately after Sunday's game. Analysis, pressers, and your reactions. It's the ESPN 1000 Miller Lite postgame show. Presented by Miller Lite, the official beer of the Chicago Bears. And brought to you by GetCoveredIllinois.gov. The home loan experts, Harry's Razors, ComEd's Energy Efficiency Program, and ESPN 1000. Sox fans, start planning your 2021 outings to the ballpark. We have party areas of all sizes that can be perfect for you and your group. Call or text SoxTix to 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com today. Get the ultimate flexibility with a 10-game voucher pack. No need to worry about a set plan. Choose your games based on your schedule, opponent, or giveaway. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash 10-game. Tis the season for giving, and there's nothing better to give your child than the building blocks for a strong financial future. When they join the Junior Savers Club, available only at your Wintrust Community Bank, your child will learn all about saving money. And as a Junior Saver, your child can participate in fun virtual activities like puzzles and prize giveaways that also teach important financial lessons. It's a win-win. Visit Wintrust.com slash JS to learn more. Member FDIC. New car dealers are open and ready for business. The latest cleaning safety procedures offer peace of mind as you shop for your next vehicle. Whether it's new or used, car or truck, you'll find it at one of 400 Chicagoland new car dealers. Begin your search today at drivechicago.com. This Saturday, Amazon Prime Video is the place to watch the San Francisco 49ers take on the Arizona Cardinals. Not an Amazon Prime member? Don't worry. Sign up for a 30-day free trial and you'll get the game. And you can catch all the action on any device almost anywhere in the U.S. So this holiday weekend, Saturday, December 26th, watch the 49ers at the Cardinals. Coverage begins at 4 p.m. Eastern and kickoff is at 4.30 only on Prime Video and Twitch. Also available on mobile and in select markets. The always waking up early, letting the dog outside, checking emails while listening to the best podcast, before heading to McDonald's to try something new meal. Like now there's a new hot and spicy chicken McGriddles and hot and spicy McChicken biscuit to try. Get any two for $3 and try them with a 100% Colombian medium roast coffee. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Guys, waking up over and over to pee is not okay. But now, you can reduce those nighttime bathroom trips with the ingredients in Super Beta Prostate P3 Advanced. 
We're talking about less urges to pee at night, less bathroom trips during the day, and better bladder emptying. It's like taking three prostate supplements in one. You can try a full 30-day bottle of P3 Advanced. Free. Just cover shipping and handling, and a free bottle will be conveniently shipped to your door. No strings attached and no commitments to buy. Call 1-800-491-2625. Super Beta Prostate is the best-selling brand in major retailers like Walmart. But for this no-strings-attached free bottle, you must call now. Call 1-800-491-2625. Agents are standing by to take your call for this unprecedented free offer. Call 1-800-491-2625. 1-800-491-2625. Starting route. Your destination is 0.1 miles away. If you drive less than... 500 feet, turn left. You have arrived at your destination. <clears throat> If you drive less than 25 miles a day, you could be paying less every day with pay-per-mile car insurance from Allstate. You get the same reliable coverage and hands-on expertise you'd expect from Allstate, but now at a price that's tailored to the miles you drive. Call your local Allstate agent and start paying what's right for you. Includes a daily rate. Prices vary based on how you buy. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Not applicable in California. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and its affiliates. The radio in your dash is more than radio. That Sirius XM button is instant access to a world of exclusive entertainment, including ad-free music channels for every genre and decade. You can also hear your favorite sports, comedy, talk, and news. Plus, you can stream with the Sirius XM app on your phone and connected home devices. And there's never been a better time to listen. Subscribe now and get your first 12 months for 5 bucks a month with a new select subscription. Fees and taxes apply. Go to SiriusXM.com to learn more. The Southsiders have a new home. This is White Sox Weekly. A behind-the-scenes look at the White Sox as they prepare for the 2021 baseball season. White Sox Weekly. ESPN 1000. Well, the White Sox did it again. They, according to reports, have kept up that Cuban pipeline by inking the number one international prospect, Yoelki Cespedes, Yoenis's half-brother, his younger half-brother. The White Sox are expected to sign Yoelki for $2 million, according to industry sources. Now, the White Sox have not confirmed this deal, but... The They are expected to ink the deal on January 15th, the first day of international signing period. So, a just another young Cuban for White Sox fans to get excited about in a great way for the White Sox to replenish that farm system, which has graduated so many great players already to the major leagues. So, to, to supplement him is going to be just another reason for White Sox fans to be very excited when they can get back to going to the ballpark. All right. Last twenty twenty last White Sox weekly of the twenty twenty calendar year. Let's close it out with some of our favorite moments as we've been doing all show long. Thanks to Eric Ostrowski for putting the show together. Thanks to Jesse Rogers for joining me. I'm Jeff Meller. Stick around for Xander and Fred coming up next. On two and two, Ramirez to Moncada. Yoan drills it. Way back right field. Look out. Goose. It's a three-run shot. You know a fastball is coming, and Yoan didn't miss one stitch of it. Neither did Yaz. Another. 
Arthur, absolute blitzkrieg. Five nothing Sox. Back to back. That's number one in a White Sox uniform. Number one of the year for Grandal. Oh boy, that one a line drive to left field and bring him home. Three in a row. Abreu has the last one, and Tim's having a party. In the air, left field. Eloy Jimenez to the line and gone again. Four in a row. And a 7-0 lead. O'Neal didn't even move in left field. Roger Bossert's going to have to clean falling stitches from the outfield grass. Jose to right field. Well struck. Very well struck. And out of here. Bring him home for the lead, top six. That man has a sense of urgency and a flair for the dramatic. He untied the ball game. Kyle Hendricks gives up an opposite field home run, and Jose Abreu comes through once again to lead the way. Chris is telling him, bounce it. It's 0-2. Oh, it hung. Jose in the air, left field, way back. Bring him home again. Look out, Maglio. A cement mixer to beat all cement mixers, and it's 5-2. to two. Oh, two. Jose in the air left field. One more time, bring him home. Well, we told you back in the sixth inning that Jose sometimes takes it into his own hand. We didn't believe at that point that three home runs later, he'd have a perfect night, four for four with a walk, and three bombs. No hits. Through 26 outs, deep in thought, the well-trained mind of Lucas Giolito. Nobody's here to watch, but everyone at home has their hearts in their throats. On 0-2, to right field, Adam Engel is there! A no-hitter, the 19th in White Sox! History! One out away from a White Sox playoff spot. First pitch swing in the air. Luis Robert makes the catch. And in a year when so many of us have had to be apart, we all will journey together into October with the White Sox for the first time in 12 years. The Sox are going playoffs you've been listening to white Sox weekly brought to you by wind trust bank mazda of orland park if you miss something podcasts are available on the new espn chicago app white Sox weekly saturday mornings at nine on chicago's home for sports espn 1000 chicago's new home of the white Sox.